Um, I'm pretty excited to read today's scripture. Um, I was thinking about this, but today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 11 to 20. 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of living God. And Jesus answered them, him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the word of God. All right, we've been in this series, Nine Questions That God Asks, and after Easter, we'll have another series, questions, nine questions that people ask God. But this, if you, if you don't know any T.S. Eliot, you're going to know this section after these nine weeks, but this is from T.S. Eliot from Courses from the Rock. And uh, it's, uh, I've said it every week, I'll continue to say it, you'll know it. And he says this, it's just a beautiful couplet. He says, oh my soul, be prepared for the coming of the stranger. Be prepared for him who knows how to ask questions. Uh, the reason why um, we have to be prepared for these questions is because we find out that um, God asks these questions not to gain any knowledge for himself. It's not the point. Uh, he asks these questions um, for our own hearts, for us to discover something that we didn't know when we begin to answer them. And these are very, very pointed questions. The, answer, the questions are for us, the answers are for us. The question for this week is uh, the question that Jesus has uh, for Peter. It's a question that he has for all of us is, who do you say I am? And it's an explosive one. It's, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, a friend of mine, um, you might remember just a month ago, I don't know, this was before I was a teenager, but Raquel Welch um, was big in the 70s. And a pastor friend of mine here in LA, in Glendale, had been Raquel Welch's pastor for the last um, 12 years, but she had been in the church for about 20 years. And uh, so uh, I was reading the, the New York Times uh, obituary, and there were actually several articles about her. And, and uh, they were using, um, they were describing her life and her work, and they were t- talking, uh, describing her as a bombshell and a symbol of style and fashion and, and uh, sex appeal and uh, feminine freedom, whatever. And, and I, I couldn't help but think that um, that was very, very different from this uh, pastor that I was talking to of how Raquel was in, in the last 25 years of her life uh, in Bible studies, in prayer meetings, in church life. And, and I thought it was fascinating, fascinating for the New York Times, the newspaper of record. 
to have no mention and to be so way off as far as the defining aspects of a person. Fascinating how you can be so far off and yet describe so much. Uh, that's the same thing when we come to Jesus because Jesus is asking Peter a question. He's gonna ask you and me a question. He's gonna say, what is the de- how, do you def- how do you understand who I am? I, I think uh, popularly, and this is three different, this is very generally, I, I speak this from pastoral experience, as the definition of Jesus often comes in kind of three buckets. And the first bucket is, is um, people who define and understand Jesus usually have some sort of personal aspect of Jesus' life that has resonated personally with them and their life. They might have a certain thing and they see that in Jesus's life and they say, oh, he was like that too. And so that first bucket of understanding Jesus usually comes with something that resonates with you. So people are like, you know, I just love his kindness to women, like the women at the well and the little dead girl and the, the, the woman caught in adultery and, and, and Mary. And like, I, I love that interaction. And, and that is how I know he is so kind. And I just know Jesus is kind because I love that he's that way. Or someone could be like, I love that Jesus is so good with children. It's amazing. Let the little ones come unto me. And I just love that apartment. He seems like a really family guy. I know he didn't get married, but he's a family guy. And that, I, that resonates with me. And I bet he's like that all the time. Like, that's how I understand. I bet he's just so good with kids. And that's how I'm going to understand Jesus. He's going to be my kid-friendly guy. Ministry safe, of course. Um, I, it, it, can, it can push it. And you'd be like, you know what? He totally gets me. He gets my tattoos and he gets my piercings and that resonates with me because he, he, he loved the outsider and so he gets that part of me and that resonates with me. So like that's the Jesus I know and I love is Jesus is the person to outsiders. That's the first bucket. Second bucket is this. This comes from usually, I'm gonna understand Jesus in this way. It usually comes from people who are not religious but they want to make sure Christians are following the correct Jesus. Right? They themselves become verse quoters. They say, you know what? Jesus said that if you, you, you gave me food to eat or something to drink, it's as, as if you were giving it to, to me. And so, and so they want to quote those verses and they say, hey, Christians, like that's not cool how you are to homeless people and you're very nimby about them. Like not in my backyard, like homeless people we should totally, but totally not on my street. Right, and so, so the second bucket of people is just like, hey, I'm gonna explain Jesus to you even though I'm not into him, but I wanna make sure you understand him appropriately as a Christian, because I don't think you do. So that's a second category of people. And the third category usually is this, is um, uh, people love to, to <laughs> they, they love getting Jesus to sign their petitions. And what I mean by that is they want Jesus to be the, expert authority and partner to whatever their agenda is. So it sounds like this is, look, if Jesus were here today, he totally would have been a Democrat. Oh, if Jesus was here today, he totally would be a Republican or Libertarian or whatever it is, Green Party. If Jesus were here, or he'll say, Jesus would have voted this way. Jesus would have seen this on this way on this issue. 
I'm just certain of it. And and, uh, the the zealots were the same in Jesus' day is that they were always being like, well, where are you on this Rome business? And he would never be co-opted to the zealots. The zealots were convinced oh, I can get him, how, I get, get him on my team how he thinks about Rome, how he thinks about taxes, how he thinks about these occupiers, how he thinks about the temple, how he thinks about, like he's on my team. So people can often define him and put him as an expert of authority on whatever our agenda is. So that's kind of a general, kind of three buckets. There's, there's more than that. And Jesus says this to Peter, but yeah, yeah, okay, that's great, but who do you say that I am? He's talking to Peter. Now this is where it's gonna get a little tougher, is I actually have dozens of these, but, but what I wanna do is I wanna I want look at how a Christian community, that's us, how a Christian community has made Jesus in our own image. So if, if in the Old Testament, if you remember that, they made a graven calf, Right? They made an idol. An idol is something that we shape into. We're going to make a God, and it's going to be in our image because we're the ones shaping it. Well, we still do that today. We make Jesus into our own image. So, so I'm going to give you six different little categories that I have. These are the most prevalent that I've seen in 20 plus years of inside a Christian community of how, what we say Jesus is whether we say it explicit, explicitly or just privately believe it implicitly. So the first one would be this. Uh, the first one would be um, the nice guy. Um, oh, oh, I've gotta tell you this too, is I'm, I'm a little conflicted about AI doing art, okay? As an artist, I'm very conflicted here, but you are gonna enjoy some AI-produced art, Jesus's. Okay, um, chat GPT did this for me. Okay, so this is Jesus as a nice guy. And this is what, this is what a Christian community can do, is um, um, he is the nice guy to every ugly person, to every outsider person, to the social myth, misfits, to the paralyzed, to the leper, to the demoniac, to the little girl, to the prostitutes, to the de- tax collectors, to verified, com- confirmed, bona fide moral failures. And you find Jesus there just drawing close. And so how this uh, uh, exhibits itself in a community is like, you cannot be not nice. We are super nice all the time because we have a nice guy, Jesus. There's a second one that I've seen is I want Jesus to be the social activist. I call this the great social reformer. So, so whatever your views are on women or poverty or he was so minimalistic and into eco living, he didn't even own a home, of course, duh. What, had maybe one, two togas, one. Two would be excessive, right? He fought consumeristic ways. Um, He was anti-organization, anti-institutionalism, anti-system. He's really grassroots. Um, He's power to the people. He's Cesar Chavez. He's Martin Luther King Jr. He's Gandhi. He's, He's going to initiate radical social change and this is, this is like John the Baptist. It's like John the Baptist. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to go back to the old, 
old school ways that were really good. It's like conservatism, right? Let's get back to a time where we were really serious about these things. And he's willing to say hard and unpopular things for the sake of cleaning up. There's another one um, that, that inside a Christian community is this, is this is the Jeremiah gadfly. So a Jeremiah comes from Jeremiah the prophet and he says really tough, difficult things and people hate on him for saying tough, difficult things. So this is the person to finally stand up to the big corporations, big Rome, big government, big anything, big oppression, right? The hegemonic, imperialistic, paternalistic powers that be. This is truth to power. So this is like Elijah. The the people thought, oh, he's like Elijah. He's like Jeremiah. He's saying prophetic things because if you're a prophet, you say really unpopular things and people really don't like you, like Julian Assange or something. Unpopular, but totally brave in retrospect, am I right? There's another one. I think Jesus is the great wish giver. Thank you, chat GPT, by the way, look at this. Now, now I, I wanna see this, uh, you guys have got to see how this is how, this is one of the biggest ones inside of a Christian community and we don't even know it. Is, We really want Jesus, whatever your pain is, whatever your suffering, whatever your obstacle, whatever your difficulty, whatever your travail, maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus is the great helicopter God in the sky to smooth the way forward for you. That's one side, like I will make you, I will give you, I will stop bad things from happening to you. I'm just telling you, you have heard this over and over in the church, is when people get rattled by pain, the first thing is like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was owed something else. But, but, but on the other side, um, we've, we view the wish giver as like a little bit more positively, like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make Jesus my wingman like when I go out into the world, he's gonna be, you remember the bumper sticker? He's gonna, uh, Jesus is my co-pilot, right? Like it, w- w- the reason why that's important is maybe this, this lucky rabbit's foot Jesus will make my career go well, I'll get some wealth, I'll find the spouse of my dreams, I'll find the kid of my dreams, my kids will do all of my dreams because he's, he gives just positive things the wish giver. Um, this one looks hilarious. Thank you, ChatGP. Uh, the, the, w- some people are looking for the ultimate general. I don't know why it looks like United States garb there for, for the king of all nations. But I know you have seen this in Christian communities where he is our leader and he will destroy with violence all evil in his path. If you do not think that is present in what is characteristic of the evangelical American church today, if you don't think that's present, let's take a road trip, you and I. 
In the Christian community, there's another view of Jesus, and he's this, is that he's um, a compliance officer sent by God. You guys have been really screwing around, haven't you? We all could do a little better. We all could just do, follow the rules a little more. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Finally, we have someone standing up for modesty and clean words and civility and standards for youth and reduced violence in video games. He's the broken windows officer of a community. Broken windows, this policy um, started by American justice law enforcement um, in the late 90s and 2000s, if there's a broken window in the community and no one fixes it, the community goes to pot. So why don't we do this? Why don't we care about the little things? The funny thing is about all of those stereotypes is that he might not be less than those. Uh, Maybe without my sarcasm. But all of us have said, that's why I'm gonna follow you. You could pick one. And then we made Jesus into our own image. So Jesus says, who do you say that I am to Peter? I want you to catch this because this is very short. How we see and define Jesus is what we expect from him all the time. How we view him will dictate how you come to him, how you relate to him, what you ask of him, how you pray to him, how you know him, how you serve him, how you follow him, how you advertise him and explain him. And the Jesus we want is often just a picture of what our idols really are. That's why this question is incredibly explosive. Incredibly explosive. And, and then Peter answers, and, or, and Jesus says, okay, what you just said, I am gonna build a people in conglomeration, a community, people plural, and, and that's how people, individuals, you, Peter, are going to be built up. Um, it's going to be because Peter confessed Jesus as God, as himself, by himself, for himself, and no other reason and no other agenda. Um, to, to, To put it like John Updike put it, Jesus isn't a peace march. He is peace. He isn't loving, he is the love, right? He isn't just a sage or group, he is the wisdom himself. He's he's not just a miracle worker and a bandit, he is the restoration in himself. So when Jesus talks to Peter and he says this, Pete, how about you? 
How about you? What do you think? Who do you, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter says this, you are the Christ, and that means Messiah. You are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says this, he goes, okay, you are blessed because I know, I know you didn't come up with that, Peter. <laughs> it is sort of funny. I know you didn't come up with that, Peter. My father put that in your mind and heart. And then he says this, on that, on that is how I'm gonna build this big, massive conglomeration of people. And that's how I'm gonna beat back the darkness that you hate. What's that phrase in there? It's a, it's a popular phrase. It says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against. Did, did you know that imagery is the gates of hell are in the defensive position? It's not as if we're cowering saying, oh, the gates are coming on me and they're chasing, the gates are chasing me. No, he said, do you know how you beat back all of the effects of brokenness and crackness and sin and destruction and violence and hate. Do you, do you know how that's gonna be? Is when you say this, you are all of the hope for all of the things and I'm gonna despair of all, anything, of all of my strategy of trying to figure this out. And Jesus says, that's how you're gonna build a community and that's how the darkness is gonna be pushed back. He says it. You say that and whatever you bind on earth is gonna be bound in heaven. That's what, the darkness being trapped and thwarted and blocked and slowed. And he said, whatever you loose on that confession, you are all of the hope for all of the things Whatever you loose is gonna be loosed in heaven. That means what? Those are gonna find relief from the darkness, relief from the oppression, relief from, from all of it. You are all of the hope for all of the things. So here's the question. This question is asking you to quit all other solutions and strategies and only hold on to him. I, I, I do think this, you're gonna, forget, you're gonna have to forgive me because you won't like it. But I do think often we treat our little acts of niceness our, our little givings of money, our little volunteering. And do you know what we treat it for? Here, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here, 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 here. Here, Jesus, Jesus. Like he's gonna be a pet God. And this is not asking him to be a pet God. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. Son of the living God, and you are the whole, all hope for all of the things. 
Um, Henrietta Mears was at Forest Home. This is back in um, 70s, 60s, 70s, even uh, uh, early 80s. And, and um, uh, there's this woman at For- Forest Home. is a Christian camp in, near Redlands. If you go out the 210, you'll hit it. And there was, <laughs> there was a stream of young people that would go to Forest Home. And it's an amazing who's who of Christian leaders that put their stamp on our generation. If it's Bill Bright, if it was Billy Graham, if it was Chuck Swindoll, it was like, like they made a trek to Henrietta Mears to listen to her chat around a fireside. It had these amazing youth revivals there. So, so this, this great account, my mom told me this story, is um, uh, they had this basically like a youth revival and Henrietta Mears was there and she was, she was kind of a gruff, kind of crusty voice woman. I, won't, I don't even know how to imitate her. So like, what am I doing? I'll, I'll, I'll postpone that. So afterwards, they, they have this talk and this young guy comes up and this is, so think maybe 60s, 70s, right? And um, he's, got his, he's got his pack of cigarettes. It would have been a vape pen these days. So just try to make the translation. You know, the cigarettes rolled up in the t-shirt. <laughs> Is that 40s or 50s? That's more 50s, isn't it? And he goes, and she has her fireplace, and he unrolls, and he's got his cigarette pack, and he throws it in the fire. And uh, he said, I think I'm ready to follow Jesus. And Henrietta, my mom told me the story, it's great. Henrietta didn't skip a beat. And she said, young man, Jesus doesn't want your cigarettes. He wants your life. That's what this question is asking you. Here, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here, 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 boy, here, boy, here. Let me, let me, let me give you some, some of these things and play along and have you be an additive to my life. You add value. No. No. I'm, I'm going to actually push you to a crisis point. You give it all, or let me, let me encourage you, let me plead with you to quit Christianity. Quit it. (laughs) I went to the strangest church. Um, There's a hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, has this great line, love so amazing, so divine for us. It's so amazing that it demands my soul, my life, my all. He himself is all of the hope for all of the things in this question asks you that, who do you say that I am? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, you have given us your son and we have even misreceived him, misperceived him, and misused him. Ah, 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 now. His great work even covers that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So cover that 
and pull us into the life where he is just the all. Do this by the power of our spirit. Do not do it by the power of our resolve or our strategies. Don't do that. No, we, we give them up. And we ask for you to work by your spirit in our lives through how you have made us and through our schedules. We ask you to take it all. In Jesus' name, amen.